This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. The left rear tire, Todd. I'll road. Never got hit in the left rear. I think something's breaking. My car's too difficult to drive, so I need to keep the radio quiet here. I don't know where the 18 is. I haven't been working. I'm a huge leader. I just uh, try and make up as much time as I can. 50.01, section 5. It was 50.28 before. I don't have a clue what it was the other three times we through there today. That's Tuesday, and that means it's Scan All Day. Hey, everybody, welcome to NASCAR America, presented by Mobile One. Carolyn Mano, Kyle Petty, and Parker Kligerman with you. We start with a big reveal from the 88 team today. Dale Earnhardt Jr. becoming the latest driver to showcase his throwback scheme for the upcoming Southern 500 at Darlington at the Hall of Fame earlier today. So the number 88 going to showcase the colors that Jr. carried to his Xfinity Series championships in 1998 and 1999. What do you think? Cool. I like it. Yeah. Knowing how much he loves the history of this sport, it's cool to see him kind of dip a little bit into his own history and put his own history on display of what championship he won in NASCAR yeah. championships and kind of, you know, say thanks to the fans for following this whole time since he did those championships. Yeah, and that that is cool. I would have liked to have seen him throw back to one of his father's paint schemes from the 80s since the 80s is what we're throwing back to, not the 90s, but cool paint scheme anyhow. All right, Debbie Sorry. Downer. Debbie How could Debbie give you to be... <laughs> holding us into one I'm decade. Sorry. I'm sorry. Well, we're going to hear sorry. what Junior thinks about it coming up later in the show. He likes he's going to join sure. us. Yeah, he's going to join us to talk about that and more. For now, though, let's check in on the race to Miami and look at the picture as it stands right now for the playoffs. So Denny Hamlin, the latest driver to virtually clinch a playoff spot with a win, he becomes the 11th driver to do so. Matt Kenseth holding that final position just above the cutoff line. Joey Logano has now fallen 52 points behind. And an interesting storyline, the last eight races have been won by eight different organizations. It's a remarkable stretch, but why is that happening? So Kyle and Parker have drummed up a few, shall I say, educational guesses about this. You haven't told each other why you think it is that all these different organizations are winning. Kyle, let's start with you. Give us your reasons for why this could be. Okay. My, My first one was there's no dominant driver. Um, for, for me, we've not seen a Jimmy Johnson, a Jeff Gordon, uh, a Matt Kenseth win in seven races, uh, six or seven races a few years ago, who just dominates everywhere you go. We've not had this this year. We've had a few guys who have run up front, who have won some races, who have won a lot of stages. Uh, the 78, we could say that. But at the end of the day, not a dominant driver. Number two, the different style racetracks that we had. We've run a 600-mile race. We've run a banked-mile race. We've run a triangle, a two-mile flat, a road course, a speedway. When you throw that many different scenarios or that many different tracks at teams, some teams are going to perform better at others. So I think that's part of it. The other part, for me, is mistakes our penalties, mistakes, and the stage racing. Stage racing has changed how some of these guys approach the day. Uh, and, and we saw that last weekend at New Hampshire. 
Well, with Kyle Busch, who gave up points in that first stage race or the first stage to win the second stage. So that kind of changes the way that you see some guys going about the day. And penalties and mistakes, mistakes by pit crews, mistakes by drivers, and penalties on pit road have taken drivers out of being winning one or two races or whatever. So I, I think, to me, those are the reasons. So quick thought for me before I get Parker's. Um, do you think that NASCAR has found the right formula in terms of these tracks being in the places that they are to guarantee a little bit of shakeup in the field in terms of organizations winning? Yeah, I don't think they – when they put those races there, they didn't say, oh, we're going to shake it up. So, so more teams <laughs> win. This is just the way it ended up. But I think this is a great part of the season – for teams, you know, when you look back over these races and you see maybe not the guys that won the races, but the guys who led races and won run in the top four or five, they're the guys that are going to be the four guys at Homestead. You have good points, but I think mine, <laughs> I think you had the wrong order, first of all. Okay, so I want to start sorry. with mine. You ended with my first one, which is stage racing and the strategy that has shown up in stage racing. You mentioned it with Kyle Busch and what his team pulled off in that first stage to win the second stage and hopefully put themselves in position to win the race. We've seen that all year, and as we get closer to the playoffs, you even have differing strategies within stage racing. You have drivers who care solely about winning the stage so they get that playoff point because they're locked in the playoffs. They yeah. want to pad their points for the playoffs you have other drivers who are trying to point themselves into the playoffs they care about every stage point possible that is really mixed things up my second one is young drivers within these different organizations you have young drivers who are going out there and competing and, and showing that they have differing skills skills that maybe this organization brought them up for skills that that they brought to that organization where that organization maybe wasn't the best think about ricky stenhouse and roush family racing going out and winning the super speedways this year that is what i'm talking about that's a young driver who's bringing an organization up to the front at those types of tracks and my last one you already mentioned it scheduled diversity that's a, a vast different amount of tracks. Yeah. This is where we do agree. You had road courses. You had two-and-a-half-mile ovals. You had a two-mile oval, a one-mile oval. That diversity of the schedule certainly added up to having different So you guys ways. are thinking on the same page. Kind of. It, it, it's funny how we got two, two of them were basically yeah. the same. The one difference was the young guy <laughs> gave credit to the young drivers, you and the old guy gave credit to the guys that should be dominating. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Do it, dude. We, we that, was perfect. Right that was perfect. Found, found. No, but Parker, you hit on the two biggest storylines of the year, basically, which is these stages that have really kind of torn things apart and also this influx of young talent. And, and it's exactly this young talent. Is that I'm, What I'm saying here is that, you know, these guys – if these race teams, as they came in, these race teams maybe had drivers that were good at certain places, yeah. and that's where they aimed to be good at. And then use these younger, different drivers come in who have different skills or good at different places. That kind of changes the mantra that we see out of that organization, and that's what we saw at Roush Fenway. Think about Wood Brothers getting that first win, and Ryan Blaney at Pocono. I mean, that's what that has changed the nature of these organizations and where they kind of see themselves being best. Okay, you changed my mind. Can I change my <laughs> middle? No, no I, I am going to say this. This is something. <laughs> this is something that Parker not. That we've talked about on NASCAR America. No, no, no. This is something we've talked about on NASCAR America. We are in a stage where there's a transition from the older drivers and the established drivers to these younger drivers, and they're going to have an impact on the sport. With these eight organizations winning these last eight races, that's an impact already. And, and I think that's a great point that Parker makes. Something I didn't see, but I, I, I'll give him that. That is a great. You're point. a real pushover. Yeah, you know that? That, 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 I'm easy. That, there's a that's a great point 
we are in that transition. We are seeing it, and these are the original, are the 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 initial results of it. I, so, I'm going to side with you though, real quick. I loved your veteran point. That yeah. they, they have, we haven't seen a car go out there and win five or six yeah. races in a row. We've seen Martin Truex Jr. look like he could, could win that win. many races, but it hasn't happened, and so that's really opened the door. Yeah. All right, just guys. quickly, when you look at the list of organizations who haven't won yet, who could potentially make it nine in a row this weekend, Penske is really the one that is at the top of the list. Do they have the potential to do that? Oof. Well, yesterday we were, talking, we were just talking about how this team seems to be struggling a little bit in the speed category. Uh, we, you know, we've heard from them in the yeah. last couple of weeks, Joe Logano especially, talk about how this team needs to find a little bit more speed to compete, to be up front. Yeah. But they've been able to salvage some finishes like he did at Kentucky. And if there's a racetrack that Roger Penske loves and focuses on and the whole race team knows if there's a place you're going to win all year, you have to win Indianapolis. Yeah. There's a lot of pressure on them to do that, but I think of the teams that have not won in these organizations to make it nine in a row, it would be Penske that has yeah. the best chance. Yeah, I, I don't see Richard Petty Motorsports or, or some of the front row or some of those guys sneaking in and winning at Indy. I think Penske moves to the top of the list of the group that could make it to nine. But the one thing that we talked about yesterday and the one thing that you needed at Indy is speed. Yeah. And, and this team has not shown that they have speed consistently. And I don't see them flipping a switch this week uh, back in Mooresville and showing up up there with so it. So many Indy 500 wins, but remarkably still looking for that first Brickyard win for that organization. We know what is on the line for all these organizations. We know what the playoffs mean. It is clear every weekend on the team radios. And coming up, an apology from Kyle Busch, a rant from Matt Kenseth, and a victory for Denny Hamlin. It was a busy weekend for Joe Gibbs Racing. We're going to hear how it all unfolded in Scanall, New Hampshire. Denny Hamlin broke through Sunday to deliver Joe Gibbs Racing their first win of the year. And now Hamlin has virtually guaranteed himself a spot in the playoffs. But others saw their playoff hopes take a big blow. Let's hear how it all went down as we scan all New Hampshire. England, the sports landscape is dominated by the Boston Red Sox and the Patriots. Today, it's NASCAR's turn to come front and center. All right, but got a good chance today to make the most of it. Obviously, it's uh, sunny and warm today, so hopefully that's it's your style. About a little over three hours now. I'm going to take a picture. You holding that big old lobster, bro. Good luck. Fighting all day. Ready to go racing here at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Green flag in the air. Johnson gets the jump on the start here. Steven. You're ahead of me. 48 start. Wow. Gonna post 48. I went on the green flag. What did I do wrong? Buddy, I don't know, man. All I can tell you is they want us to come down here and do a pass through. The number two starter cannot beat the number one starter. All right, man. We can still get back and get ourselves a good solid top 10 here. That's what we need to do. 42s rolling the bottom real hard. Bottom. The 42 of Kyle Larson, he started shotgun. I've never seen this before. In 30 laps, the guy is at 10. A caution out. Do you want to stay on the racetrack to get your stage points, or do you want to pit here and try to set yourself up for the second stage? Hey, roads open. Open, open. Stay out here. Pit, 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 pit. I didn't pit. I didn't know. I didn't know what to do there. They opened it super late, Jason. I told you as soon as they said it. Follow, 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 follow. Wheels, what does follow mean? Follow the 18. I was trying to say that because we didn't even really get a moment to chat about it. <laughs> yeah, they 
sped everything up just because of the laps left for the stage in. The 14th time this season, Martin Truex Jr. is a stage winner. 78 to 42 have got everybody covered. Uh, 78 to with everybody out there right now, we're at the pace that he is. Give me a report, please. We have a large hole on the upper lane where they applied the product. Follow the pace car down pit road. What are they doing? Hole. I bet you they're fixing the track. Saying there's a four by eight hole in that groove with the PJ1 upper groove. They come ask you for some Bondo yet? Repave. They just need to repave that groove, boy. <laughs> yeah. Like Pocono in turn three that one time. I'm right, boy. That was fun. I hated Pocono till the end. Well, that was fast. They say it's done. It's like that. A little bit of flex seal tape. For only $9.99. Stage two will go from lap 83 to 150. And, the and a spin in turn four. That's the three. Everything all right? Everything's fine. He was just coming last, and I was still out there. How about A.J. Allmendinger sliding by underneath? You got to see the replay. <laughs> it was like perfect. You slid perfect. It was like a snake going around it. It looked pretty cool. I'm smoking a little bit here. Not sure what it is. Up the left rear tire, Todd. I never got hit in the left rear. I think something's breaking. Yeah, something broke on him. It's moving. On two, Todd. The left rear is sticking way out of the fender. Take it to the garage. Take it to the garage. And a caution comes out. And that means there will be a restart with 39 laps to go. 28. A little better, but it's free. Okay, coming to you. Car was good. Pit one. Four tires. Should be a 35 lap shootout. So, what you got there, bud? Just a little bit tight. Four grip seems really good, but just tight center rolling. What do you think about two versus four here? Uh, whatever you think. We'll see what all these leaders wind up doing if they take four or two. Four tires, four tires. Right side's going on the jack. Kenseth just took two tires. Dude, I think the whole field got four. But Rick, here's the problem. What did everyone else take? Four. Now Matt Kenseth in his 20, I feel, is a sitting duck at this point. We got a new pass through, two pass, section five. That's I even gave one back. Matt Kenseth out in front of Denny Hamlin, fighting for that top spot. Denny Hamlin moves him out of the way, and Hamlin goes by for the lead. 32 ball right here. Can't do this on his left side. I just can't. It's impossible. And now, Kyle Larson in second. Way better. Here to win, man. Let's go. Larson chipping away every lap. Four, 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 smooth. Nice for them here. Don't overdrive. You're killing him. Hamlin! He's going to hold off Larson. Yes, sir, DH. That's what I'm talking about. Nice work, guys. Backup call for the wish. Hold on, gentlemen. Office team backup car uh, put us behind the eight ball uh, on Friday, but uh, it's cool to win one like this. Kyle, one of the drivers we saw there that finished second, Kyle Larson, has yes. passed almost what it seems like a thousand cars the last two weeks. And we keep saying as analysts, it's amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, let's it, show them. It feels why like it's a thousand amazing. cars. It does feel like a thousand it's cars. It's been incredible. Let's show him some of the things starting at Kentucky, yeah. what he's done that's been so impressive. So we start here, beginning of the race. He's going to come up on the 27 and the three car here. He's three wide. And then watch what he does down the three. Yeah, it, it looks like he's got 150 more horsepower. The pass starts 
in the middle of the corner. Yep. That, that is what this car is doing right here. You see where he's at even here. He's almost below this line at, at Kentucky, where as we go back to the cars that he passed, they're a little bit above it. But it is amazing how this car rotates. Yeah, you just see where these guys are running, how much gap he got yes. right there is incredible let's go to a little bit later in that run he comes upon some cars maybe a little tougher to pass the five and the 21 and watch what he does here as he gets to the exit here i just want to stop look where his car is placed he is right on the yellow line compared to the five and the 21 and he is getting air yes. to that front nose and that's what you need to do one you need to have a great car but two as a driver you need to be working to get that air to the nose to be able to make that pass we, we talk so much about air on the speedways and the side drafting and, and stopping a car he has put his left front out in clean air he's got his left sides on that line or below that line where a lot of people's not running as you look so there's still a lot of grip down there the car rotates, and once again, he drives by, past these guys. Yeah, if we get this going here, we can get this. There we go. Watch, he gets that. Once again, he gets three wide here, and then he's going to throw it down the corner. And he has such confidence in that race yes. car. He's able to throw it in. But right here, I want to just note this. If you look at the these two right now, where they are placed in the corner, we'll kind of zoom in how close that 21 is to him. Watch as they go into the corner here, and it's going to get even tighter. Right there, that's the place where... The 21 is now sucking yeah. that 42 around. And that's a really tough place to be as a driver because you're hanging on at that point. But what happens here off the corner <laughs> is impressive, right? But but I go back to something you said about getting into the corner. Mm -hmm. uh, is, is As a race car driver, if you don't can't get in the corner and feel comfortable getting in the corner, you're lost. You're just you're hanging on through the center and hanging on once you go to the accelerator. He has so much confidence in this car that he's already beat these guys exactly. going in the corner. And that's what he does here. He lets the 21 get a little bit ahead, and then he's going to get the throttle down and shoot by these guys. And by the end of this straightaway, he's going to clear that 21. Absolutely impressive. That's yes. what led him to being so good at Kentucky. Let's move to New Hampshire. This is equally impressive. He comes up on the 20 car and the one car here, and he is going to point that car to the bottom right there. You look where his car is pointed. It's pointed down here. The other two cars are pointed to the right. And this is going to equal a pass. Okay, we can talk about Kentucky all you want to. Coming from the back at New Hampshire, a place that's not pass-friendly, that is a tough place to go. His car worked. I don't care. Throw the VHT out. Throw the sticky stuff, whatever you want to. He drove this track yep. like it was a Saturday night short track. He literally looked, made the 20 look like he was sitting still. He comes upon the one car here now, his teammate, and he's going to do the same thing down in turns one and two. He's going to turn it to the bottom. And right here, he's going to get beside him, and the one car can do nothing into the next corner in turn three but let the 42 by. One, he's his teammate, and two, knowing yeah. how much faster he is. That is equally as impressive what he was doing at Kentucky and is why he's been able to make these passes and drive for the field. He's making that race car yeah. work, and he's also making the right moves arrow-wise to get that car in the right position. And now let's go to something that was really cool at New Hampshire, yes. that onboard Helmet came with Chris Buescher, and what he's about to happen here is that three cars are going to spin out in front of him. You describe this because it's perfect. So right here, right as you see the 47 snake by, he pauses and then goes right. And what's amazing about this view, Kyle, is where his eyes were. We yes. don't look as drivers at the car that's spinning or the wreck. We look for the hole. We try to find where the car's not going. Yeah. And that's what he did. It's such a subtle change. You see his eyes go left and right, and he points the car right. Here on a restart, you see the cars in front of him. He's looking around. He comes to the left. Gets into the back of the 78 there. It gets right up next to him. So much going on. So many places his eyes have to be. But this helmet cam is phenomenal. It has given us views from Daytona when we had it there to, to New Hampshire that we've never seen before. It's absolutely incredible. And Carolyn, what I love most about this from a race car driver's point of view is that it's showing me where his eyes are yes. looking. And that is so key.
for us race car drivers to figure out what the other drivers are doing. Yeah, it's been an incredible addition. Chris Buescher, by the way, finishing in 25th place. Meanwhile, the race winner, Denny Hamlin, with us tomorrow here on NASCAR America, fresh off his big win. He's going to be our guest tomorrow live from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He's going to be joined by Kyle Petty and our resident Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett. That is tomorrow on NASCAR America, a special time, though, of 6 p.m. Eastern for Denny Hamlin. So make sure you are with us then. Meantime, earlier today at the NASCAR Hall of Fame, Dale Jr. unveiling his throwback scheme for Darlington. We're going to hear from Jr. himself on the news and what he expects from the 88 team in their search for a victory this season. Dale Jr., next. Welcome back, everybody. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has revealed his throwback scheme for the upcoming Southern 500 at Darlington, bringing back the colors he took to Xfinity Series titles in 1998 and 99. Those titles are two career highlights for Jr., but a win at Darlington in his final full season would be even bigger. And he talked about throwback weekend and more with our Dave Burns after uh, the reveal at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Carolyn, the reveal has happened, and now we know what the 88 is going to look like at Darlington Raceway for the Southern 500. When you first saw it, because you kind of knew what it was going to be, but you hadn't seen it, what'd you think? I think it's perfect. I really, uh, you know, I hadn't seen the car, hadn't even seen pictures of it, just seen some, some, some designs on, um, on. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection, proven protection for one full year. Welcome back, everybody. Dale Earnhardt Jr. has revealed his throwback scheme for the upcoming Southern 500 at Darlington, bringing back the colors he took to Xfinity Series titles in 1998 and 99. Those titles are two career highlights for Jr., but a win at Darlington in his final full season would be even bigger, and he talked about Throwback Weekend and more with our Dave Burns at the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Carolyn, the reveal has happened and now we know what the 88 is gonna look like at Darlington Raceway for the Southern 500. When you first saw it, cause you kinda knew what it was gonna be, but you hadn't seen it, what'd you think? I think it's perfect. I really, uh, you know, I hadn't seen the car, hadn't even seen pictures of it, just seen some some, some designs on, um, on computer and I'm really happy with it. I think the fans uh, definitely gonna recognize this car is a, is a car that was a big catalyst for me in my career, got me uh, into victory lane, got me on the map. Right, and it was the number three uh, Bush Series car back then where he won two championships and 13 races. I mean, you guys were on fire. We had a really good run and a lot of fun. Just uh, um, a great introduction for me into, into, into NASCAR and into, into the Xfinity Series. I couldn't have been with a better group of guys with Tony Sr. and Tony Jr. Uh, they had their their stuff together, and 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 it was a perfect situation for me to have success. They did a lot to to help you know mold me into the driver I became. Uh, those first two years, uh, there was a lot of learning and and a lot of mistakes, and they were really patient, uh, but they were strict and and stern as well. So it was a it was an incredible experience for me. You were a handful, I hear you saying. I was, and I wasn't a complete, you know, I wasn't a, a complete race car driver. I, I, I had a lot to learn and, and was very raw. Hadn't really proven myself, in my opinion, at that point. So for them, for Tony Sr. to even, you know, 
vouch for me and go to my father and, and encourage him to, to put me in the car even means a lot to me today. If I, that had not happened and I had not had an opportunity to race this car in 98, 99, I don't know where I'd be today. September is a ways away, but how much are you looking forward to that historic weekend at Darlington, the throwback scheme, uh, 84 to 89 this year? It's a lot of fun for uh, for me. I enjoy walking through the garage and looking at the, uh, the ideas that all the teams have came up with, not only the cars, but the pit crews, uh, clothes, uniforms, all the, all the things that they're willing to do to sort of uh, push it to the next level. It's also fun because the fans are starting to get creative as well and get involved. And uh, so it'll be fun wa- walking through the infield and, and, and looking around at what people have done to their campsites and everything to see if they're, they're sort of uh, playing along with this throwback atmosphere. It, it, it's perfect for Darlington. That's, that's the throwback mm-hmm. racetrack. There's so much history there. And uh, so it's a, it's a fun weekend for anybody who really enjoys uh, the history of the sport and learning about it. I mean, there's a lot of things that, uh, that you learn. Uh, you learn about these paint schemes. It gets you looking and thinking about the drivers and understanding what their careers really meant and how they impacted the sport. And I think it's important for people to understand, too, this is a personal scheme for you. Um, while you could have chosen one maybe from your dad's past, 84 to 89, you chose this one. Why? It's my last race at Darlington. And I wanted to, uh, I wanted to acknowledge, I guess, what this car meant to me, and uh, what the folks, uh, the guys that worked on this car meant to me. Um, all that team, Tony Senior, Tony Junior, Danny Earnhardt, all those, the whole team was like a family. They'd been together a really long time before I ever got there, and they brought me in, wrapped me in with open arms, and. Uh, really took me under their wing and, and taught me so much. So this is a great opportunity to sort of uh, acknowledge that time as how important and critical it was to my career. And, um, it really was the catalyst for everything else that happened to me. So we're talking history with Darlington, but we've got another historical racetrack to go to this weekend at Indy. Um, you and I didn't have a lot to talk about in terms of speed after New Hampshire, so what can we expect this weekend at Indy from you? Well, we did go to the sim and work real hard on Monday, spent a lot of time in there. Usually Monday's my day off, so I was in that sim grinding away trying to find some, find some improvement in our car. Um, hopefully the things that we learned there correlate over to the real racetrack and the real car. We just got to go there and work hard and see if we can come out of there with a little more speed. I think for sure I feel confident that Hendricks going to find what they need by the chase. Uh, we need it a little sooner, so we're working really hard. We wish you and your luck, of course, this weekend. And it's been fun here, Carolyn. Uh, they were lined up outside the door today because the first 88, imagine that, through the doorway, get to have their picture taken with Junior. That's happening next. <laughs> hey, how about that for a good incentive to yeah. get in the car Very early? Cool. We touched on the scheme at the top of the show. Well, it doesn't necessarily sync up with the 80s throwback, like you said. It is interesting to hear Junior explain what that car means to him and how that applies in his last season. But something interesting that he said at the very end as well, that he was working on his day off, Parker. He was in the sim on Monday. What do you think that tells us about how desperate he is to make something happen? Well, that and what he mentioned after that, where he felt like Hendrick was going to find what they're maybe missing by the playoffs, but he needs it sooner. And we know he needs it sooner because he knows he needs to get in victory lane if he wants to be a part of that playoff picture. And so he and Greg Ives are in that simulator, and they're working on things that are more big picture. A lot of times what you work on the simulator is not the fact that Dale Jr. is trying to learn how to drive Indy. Sometimes there's a little bit of that, but mostly you work on 
bigger ideas, bigger things within the setups of race cars that say, okay, if we start doing this and you felt like it's good in the simulator, that's going to correlate to the real life. And they start to see that correlation and know how that simulator can help them in the future. We know he's been spending a lot of time in the simulator this yeah. year. It's cool to hear that they're even ramping it up because they know they need to figure this out quickly to get in the playoffs. Yeah, and, it, and like Parker says, use the sim for big picture items. It sounds more like he went in the simulator Monday for Indianapolis to learn things that would correlate. That way, when you get to the racetrack, you say, this, 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 and this picked us up in the sim. Let's see what it does on the racetrack. He, there is a sense of urgency. I think we, we've seen it before. You hear it in his voice. There's only a few races left to be able to get into the playoffs. There's only a few races left in his career. Uh, it is interesting. This is not a throwback paint scheme. This is a personal throwback race scheme or paint scheme for him. And it's interesting to hear his take on it. It's a tip of the hat to Tony Urey Jr. and Sr. and all those guys that meant so much to him in his formative years when he was 20, 21, 22, 23. And you've got to say that's a cool thing. Mm -hmm. That's a cool thing. Whether it's, it's right or wrong, paint scheme-wise, it's a cool deal. Kyle, you made me think and realize, you know, think about this, the importance of the Brickyard. How, this yeah. is a huge deal. This is a big, you know, it's been a big deal for the last... So odd years that we've been at the Brickyard as NASCAR, and it's a big race. It's still a crown jewel race to go out there and win. Yeah. And therefore, maybe some of this can even be just the emphasis on thinking, this is my last race yes. in the Brickyard. I want to win in Annapolis Motor Speedway. And what better time than when you need a win? Therefore, get in the simulator on Monday, figure, start working on Indianapolis, yeah. be pinpointed on knowing exactly what you need, do that extra little, go that extra mile to hopefully find yourself challenging victory lane. Twofold. One, you get that Indianapolis victory yes. in your last time, and you get in the playoffs. Yeah, it, listen, it, it, there is so much pressure on this kid, and on this guy right now, and, and but he handles it so well. I mean, he just handles it and goes with it and is like, yeah, we're not doing good, but we're trying. I'm getting up. I'm getting off my butt. I'm going to the sim. I'm doing everything I can. He has not given up on his last year, making it to, to the playoffs, winning at a place like Indy, or at least having a shot at that championship when he we get to Homestead. And, and honestly, that's the Earnhardt in him. He's just hard-headed enough to believe it's possible. Well, in 16 <laughs> races, he's never won at Indy. But I will say his last four starts, he's got three top tens. So whether you take yeah. that into consideration or not, I know this season is a whole new thing. But he's desperate for that win, and he's looking for it, that's for sure. Um, as he continues to hunt that win, Denny Hamlin grabbing the first checker flag of the season for Joe Gibbs Racing over this past weekend. And coming up on NASCAR America, we're going to hear from Hamlin and his crew chief, Mike Wheeler, on why they think they stole that win Sunday at the Magic Mile. Down the back stretch, they go for the final time. Hamlin wins in 2017. Denny Hamlin, that ends the 20-race winless streak for Joe Gibbs Racing. It had been 28 starts for Denny Hamlin. It's weird. You want to celebrate wins, um, but this one feels a little bit different from being, you know, enough off all year long and not winning races um, to actually get a, get a victory here. I never really did feel like we had the fastest car. At no point did I think, you know, we, we need, we're, we're going to win this thing on speed. We needed, you know, our competitors to falter and, and for us to execute perfectly. I don't say we stole it. We actually, you know, executed really well and had a good car. Um, but we weren't the fastest car. But it takes a lot to win races, not just the fastest car. 
Uh, I would tell you the fastest car didn't win the race. I'm not even sure where the fastest car finished the race. I think we're there except for really two cars. I mean, the 78 and the 42 are the only ones that continually beat us on speed every single week. Our teammate, the 18, has been, you know, like the third fastest car. And then we've been like the fourth consistently just about every week. But I still feel like for speed-wise, we need a little bit more to catch those front two. We know we've been going uphill. You know, we've been, we've been actually getting to where we needed to be. Um, we've run top five a lot of the races in the last two months. This is a step in the right direction. We've been getting better. Like I said at Richmond months ago, that we were months out from, from being where we need to be. We haven't gotten better. Uh, we still have our a lot of work to do to, to catch up. We've closed the gap from being a 10th place car week in, week out, to now probably a top five week in, week out. And uh, what we need to do is, is be a little better if we want to contend for a championship. Hopefully we can continue the trend. You know, Indy's, the, Indy's next week, it's one of the biggest races of the year. We want to get that one too. More from Denny Hamlin tomorrow as he will join us from the NASCAR Hall of Fame. Our driver is going to ask him whether that win has sparked the rest of Joe Gibbs Racing. Fresh off his 30th career win, Hamlin with us tomorrow, 6 p.m. Eastern, right here on NASCAR America. And we know that one fan in particular is going to be watching tomorrow. That is Madison Willingham from Fruitland, Missouri. She is a huge Denny Hamlin fan. How cute is this, Parker? Aww, right this up great. close to the 11. I, I love, love it. it. That's great. She's wheeling him on to Victor Lane right there yeah. at the screen. Oh, yeah, that, like, just drag him forward. Just drag him past Kyle. He'll get there. Don't worry. That, that works every time. That's exactly what we want to see fans do. Yeah, we love that. You guys sent that in to us. While we're talking about uh, Denny's win, Harvey tweeted your congratulations. What a race. Yeah, I, I think the whole series thought this was the weekend to end Joe Gibbs Racing Drought. Unsure which one. Congrats, Denny Hamlin. And then Denny replied back to you. You care to explain? Um, so... The response here? Yeah, so I, well, what I first take from this is that, you know, a couple <laughs> weeks back I was asked basically if I thought the, the 11 car could win, and I said, you know, I think they're lacking in speed, as we've talked about, and I felt like even if they won Daytona or Sonoma or even New Hampshire, they still need some work to do in the playoffs. But what I take from this most of all is that Denny is watching NASCAR America. And <laughs> so for the fans out there, if you're not watching NASCAR America, no, this is the show that drivers watch. That's, that's right. what I take from that. Way to take one on the chin <laughs> from Denny Hamlin. I'm sure he doesn't mind. He's a winner no. now. All he right, got we're victory gonna, lane. That we're, fixes everything. That's right. We're going to stay with Twitter when we come back. Uh, we've got a poll running now. And Pete Pistoni of Sirius XM's The Morning Drive is going to join us. We're going to debate if Matt Kenseth truly out of the running for the 88 car next season or whether youth or experience is the best move going forward. NASCAR America is brought to you by Allstate Motorcycle Insurance. Are you in good hands? Well, if you aren't already, make sure you check out Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. It's Channel 90, and they cover everything that the fans are talking about during the week. And every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern, one of our NBC NASCAR personalities also joined the Morning Drive crew with Mike Bagley and Pete Pistoni. And we welcome Pete to the show now. We've got the poll question running, which is who will be the next driver of the 88 car after Dale Jr.'s retirement. You can go to Sirius XM NASCAR on Twitter to vote, or you can use the hashtag TMD NASCAR for that. We're going to get back to that in a second. But, Pete, first, what were your impressions of Denny Hamlin's win this past weekend? Well, at some point, guys, I knew that Joe Gibbs Racing had to get to victory lane. And quite honestly, Denny Hamlin 
Kyle Busch has been running so well. I thought Matt Kenseth was going to win the race on Sunday at New Hampshire. He was up front. So I wasn't that shocked that someone from JGR finally won. And why not Denny Hamlin? If you look at his performance the last few weeks, he's been trending upward, some top five finishes. We know how well he runs on flat tracks like New Hampshire and Martinsville. So everything came together for him. He led 54 laps, held off Kyle Larson down the stretch. So really and truly, the only bad part of the day for Denny was his lobster phobia in victory lane. Otherwise, I wasn't that surprised that he was able to get the victory lane. <laughs> that, was, that was so funny to classic, see, wasn't it? Classic. Yeah. You know what? We've been talking about this traction compound. That yes. was a huge story heading into that race. It's been a story all year long. Which track's going to use it, Pete? Which track's not going to use it? I know you had an interesting thought when we were talking a little while ago about this. Yeah, and I, I want Pete's opinion on this because obviously you're a student of the sport, grew up in the sport. We have seen these are not the cars or the drivers technology-wise that we saw in the 60s or we saw in the 90s. And the reason I say the 60s and 90s is that seems to be when most of the tracks were built. We've seen this VHT, PJ1, sticky stuff, whatever you want to call it. We've seen uh, progressive banking. Is this the next trend in the sport where owners begin to change the tracks to match the technology of the cars and the drivers? Well, Jimmy Johnson brought this up not that far along ago, Kyle, when he said, I don't know how much more we can do to these race cars. We've changed everything, to your point, on these race cars. Maybe it's time we start looking at the tracks. Now, you guys know as well as I do in this day and age, nobody's going to build a new racetrack. Nobody's going to remodel a racetrack if they don't have to because of the cost involved. So do you look at track preparation? And this is where I have that internal taffy pull because I'm an old school traditional guy because I've been around it for my whole life, but I'm also someone that's trying to look to the future. I look at, for instance, in baseball, right? There are 30 baseball stadiums and they're all different, all little different nuances, the Green Monster in Fenway or Wrigley Field here, they all play differently and then teams adapt to how they play the game in those stadiums. Part of me thinks maybe the team should adapt better to the racetracks, but at the end of the day, it's all about the show, right? It's all about competition and entertainment. And if they can't do that because the race cars won't allow them to do that, maybe it is time for the racetracks to look at ways, VHT or otherwise, to make the racing more conducive, the side-by-side -side entertaining and all the kinds of stuff that we want. So when we open up the phone lines Monday morning on the morning drive, people say, wow, that was a heck of a race on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and I'm like you. I'm pulled on this, but, but I'm going to throw it back at you again and say, if we went down this road with this car and have put ourselves in this box where we can't adjust the car, where we can't adjust to the nuances of a Darlington or a Daytona or a Charlotte or a New Hampshire, then didn't we go down the wrong road with the car? Well, I mean, that was Brad Kozlowski's point to a degree, wasn't it, when he got out of the car at Kentucky, you know, that aside of him being frustrated and such. I think all these evolutions of these cars, though, guys, think about it. No matter what, this is what, Gen 7 now? At some point, they all sort of get to their expiration date where everything sort of catches up to the race car, and it is time to design the race car, to redesign the race car. Now, I know Steve O'Donnell told us on the morning drive a few weeks ago, we're not quite there yet. But, you know, to your point, Kyle, maybe the car is starting to get off track, if you will, no pun intended. So as a sort of a, a short term, so we can create a new car, maybe now we got to stick it on the racetracks and have them try to come up with ways to make the racing better for these cup cars until we can get a new one down the road. At this point, we know our Dustin Long reporter, we're not going to see that compound yeah. at Indy this weekend, but let's change topics, Pete, while we can. Uh, Matt Kenseth making headlines for the last couple weeks. He was asked on Sirius XM yesterday whether he would be driving the 88 next year. I want to play what he said about that. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I just I just don't know. I mean, I, I don't feel like that's going to be an opportunity I'm going to have. You know, but I don't. Um, I, I really don't know. I, I really, honestly, as I say, I don't really have anything uh, uh, lined up for sure. And and I I will say though, I'm, I'm not I'm not really that worried about. It. I'm not really losing sleep over it. I'm not uh, I'm not that concerned about about next season. I'm glad that we got got it all out and got it out and open, so everybody knows what everybody's doing. We can just kind of you know get it behind us and go racing. How do you interpret his comments, Pete? Well, it sounds like, first of all, like he said, Carolyn, he's got the weight off his shoulders. He doesn't have to worry about it. He doesn't have to dodge the questions when everybody asks him on Friday in the media center at his hauler, will he be back? We know he won't be back. It doesn't sound like he's that concerned, obviously, about a ride for next year, which I find somewhat interesting because like you guys and everybody watching us right now, I'm doing the math. I'm looking at open seats and who might be available. And the 88 now sounds like it's off the table. I'm trying to find a competitive ride where Matt Kenseth can race next year. I know this, Matt Kenseth is not just going to get into a race car and ride around in 30th place to say he's uh, a cup driver. He wants to be in a competitive car. Again, he doesn't sound like he's that concerned, but I'm having a hard time trying to figure out where he's going to land. And I and I wonder, and I get a little bit concerned, will the music stop? And kind of like Greg Biffle this year, Matt Kenseth doesn't have a seat. Yeah, I, I don't, and I... I, I heard what Matt said. I'm going to say this, and I know Matt. I heard what he said. I never heard him say, I'm not going to get in that 88 car. I'm not going to Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, we keep throwing the 88 there. I'm going to throw the five out. I'm sorry. Uh, Casey Kane has to do something. But I agree with what you said. Do you see Matt getting in any car that's not competitive and championship worthy and ending his career in that type situation? No, Kyle, I absolutely don't. I mean, I think that Matt would walk away if he had to, if that was the only option out there. And no disrespect to any underfunded team that might be out there. That is not how he's going to end his cup career. He wants to continue. Listen, he can still win races. We just saw it in, in competitive equipment. Matt Kenseth still has a lot in the tank. But, you know, we've talked about this now for a while. There might be some NASCAR in Matt Kenseth, but is there Matt Kenseth in NASCAR going forward? I And you bring up the Hendrick Motorsports situation, and you're right. The 88 is obviously see the one we're all talking about but there's no doubt in my mind that the underperformance of the five team right now with Casey Kane and Keith Rodden has that team on the hot seat there and who knows maybe Rick Hendrick will be making two moves for that team next year and perhaps that's where Matt goes again we've seen uh, Rick bring veteran guys over there before in the five car like Mark Martin a few years ago maybe that's where Matt Kenseth goes for a couple of years before he hangs up the helmet so you can put Matt Kenseth into this next one, Pete, or not. But at this point, with everything that we've gathered about who's available, yeah. who do you see in the 88 next year? You know, I thought he was off the table, guys. But now the more I talk to people and the sentiment that I feel that's out there, I think it might be Alex Bowman, who, as we all know, did a really nice job when he filled in and split time with Jeff Gordon last year when Dale Earnhardt Jr. was out with the concussion. I mean, Alex almost won a race at Phoenix. The question for Alex has always been, will there be sponsorship enough? I don't think anybody had any question about he could do the job behind the wheel. He brings all that information to that team with all the simulation work that he's doing, including today running the uh, test car for them at the Darlington Raceway test for Hendrick Motorsports. And now I think I'm hearing that perhaps that could be the guy 
to get the ride at the 88 car. I know there's been a lot of discussion about William Byron and is he ready or not? Will he come up on the Xfinity series? I know Nate Ryan from NBC Sports, your colleague, talked to Rick over the weekend and asked him that, and Rick played somewhat coy, didn't really answer the question, but didn't say no. I get a sense he's going to go with Alex Bowman, and to me, then, that leaves the question up about the five ride. Is that going to be another seat that's opened up, and is that the seat that either a veteran like Kenseth takes, or does he elevate William Byron from Junior, Mo junior Motorsports and, and run the Cup Series in 2018? Yeah, and, and I agree with the Alex Bowman assessment, and, 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 and I do, and I understand what you're saying, and, and let me go down this road. As I look at Alex Bowman, he was here for a while. All of a sudden, he shows up and drives the 88, and race fans go, oh my God, we got to get Alex Bowman in a car. He was already at the Cup level, underperforming in an underperforming car. He's, he, so some of the shine was worn off of him. When he got in a Hendrick car, it came back. The guy that has the shine on him is William Byron. Yeah. I mean, this kid is phenomenal. And, and I would say, no, too soon for William Byron. And let me ask you this. My dad has this theory that if you stay one place too long, you learn bad habits. William Byron has stayed no place long, and no, the only habit that he has learned is how to win. Do you think it's too soon to bring a, William Byron up? You know what, Kyle, if you would have asked me that five years ago, and I'll use Kyle Larson as the example because it was about four years ago when Chip Ganassi and Felix Sabatis decided to elevate Kyle Larson up to the Cup Series, and I said at that time, too soon. I don't think he's ready yet, and it took a little time, but look where Kyle, Kyle Larson is now. I think things have changed. I think in the Xfinity Series, the cars are a little bit more similar to the Cup Series than they used to be. There's so many companion races, they run almost the same tracks as the whole Cup schedule does. The playoff scenario is the same. You now know how to run for a championship in the Xfinity Series under this playoff format like you will when you get to the Cup Series. Maybe it doesn't take as long to keep people down there. Maybe you don't have to have all this seasoning. To answer your question, I wonder, look what Daniel Suarez is doing this year. Maybe learning on the job in the Cup Series rather than spending, to your dad's point, too much time in one place in the Xfinity Series, maybe that's the way that William Byron's career will go for Rick Hendrick next year. Pete, thanks for being with us. Yeah. We look forward to listening the rest of the week. Thanks, guys. Always fun. And joining Pete tomorrow on the Morning Drive, our Hall of Famer, Dale Jarrett. You can tune in 9 a.m. Eastern on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Again, that is Channel 90. Coming up next, as we head to the Brickyard this weekend, the Xfinity Series, going to try to spice things up a little bit. We'll show you exactly how when NASCAR America returns. NASCAR America is brought to you by new Mobile One Annual Protection. Proven protection for one full year. Well, this weekend, NASCAR heading to storied Indianapolis. So on Saturday, the Xfinity Series taking to the track at 3.30 Eastern right here on NBCSN. And then Sunday, the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series from the Brickyard at 2.30 Eastern. That one's over on NBC. And Saturday, going to feature some pretty big changes at Indy. So Parker's going to show you what exactly to expect in the Xfinity Series. <laughs> got and a little show and tell here. We've got Kyle over here for emotional support. I know. Basically. I am so happy but about this. Let me get, I'm going to let you hold this in just a second. Okay. Basically, right. what I'm holding is where we would normally on a race car have the air duct or the brake duct in a race car, a short track or a road course. And what NASCAR is doing is for this weekend and this weekend only, they are putting these in the car. So the teams will arrive on Friday, get this piece for the right and left side of the front nose and have to keep it open and the air will come yeah. through here, through the front nose and out the side of the car and it will be around here on the brake duct for this 
if you look at the seven car here of Justin Agar, that's where this piece will actually go, is in that area just in front or beside where they actually have the air going in for the radiator. On top of that, they'll have a restrictor plate, they'll have the big spoiler from last year, and a little bit bigger splitter, all in an effort, Kyle, to make drag to punch a bigger hole in the air and allow these cars to bump draft and to slingshot past each other. That's what we're hoping to see. And talking to some of the drivers, they were doing 170 miles an hour in the test alone, but doing 190 miles an hour no in the draft. That's a big it's a swing. drastic difference. And these ducks are some of that because they are forcing the air out into here through the nose and out in front of the front of the tire and creating a huge hole in the air for the car behind them. We know balance is important at Indy. How did this upset the balance, or did they find the balance back fairly just quick? In speaking to the drivers that were in the test, there was only three drivers. The one I spoke to was Blake Cook just this morning talking about it and asked him, you know, okay, what did you feel? He felt like alone. The car is obviously very stable. There's a lot of downforce now. There's a lot of drag yeah. doing only 170 miles an hour. But in the draft, the, the bump drafting was working, and that's what the NASCAR yeah. wants to see. They're encouraging the drivers to go out there and actually bump draft each other Unlike at the Super Speed. Just let me hold that. Hey, can you just hold this one? Yeah, yeah, just hold it. Well, three drivers is one thing. There's going to be many more on the track this weekend. The first time NASCAR's ever run a restrictor plate race at Indy. So everybody kind of wondering and anticipating what kind of show we're going to see. One final reminder, back again tomorrow, special time, 6 p.m. Eastern, for the NASCAR Hall of Fame with our special guest, Denny Hamlin. We'll see you then at 6 o'clock. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.